Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Church. Got to see my, my video there. That's, uh, we had so much fun filming that. We got to travel all over the world. We didn't get to Australia. This is my first time in Australia, and this is my first time preaching uh, in Australia. So Bayside, I think I might remember you till I die. And so, uh, and what's interesting is, uh, I'm, my name is Ben, by the way, and uh, so I'm coming from Vancouver, Canada, and uh, which only took about... Th- 13 days to get here uh, on the plane. Uh, That's what it felt like a little bit. But uh, what's interesting is, I forget what was interesting. I don't even know what I was going to tell you what's interesting. Oh, what's interesting is, uh, I didn't know Pastor Rob or Christy, and uh, Rob had posted on Facebook, you know, months ago, because we found out we were coming to Bayside, and he said, hey, Jason and Ben are going to be with us. You know, he posts, I noticed Rob posts a lot on Facebook. You follow him on Facebook. And so, and one of, I didn't know him, but one of my friends, a pastor from our neighborhood in Vancouver, uh, who knows Jason and I, tagged us in it and said, hey, I know Jason and Ben. And they'd met over in Hawaii, of all places, at a pastor's conference with Wayne Cordero at a church called New Hope in Hawaii, which is awesome. And, uh, but so he tagged us. And so then I kind of started connecting with Pastor, pastor Rob a little bit. And so Bayside is the, I, I'm, we get to speak at a few churches while we're here in the next, uh, we're here for 12 days. And, um, but Bayside is the only church I've been praying for in advance. And so I like you guys more than the rest so far. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Um, uh, again, I'm Ben, and uh, I'm the husband of one wife, and, uh, and that's a lot. You know, the, once you get married, you realize, wow, how did anybody ever in history have more than one? Uh, and the... I mean, she's the best, though. My wife is literally the best. She's my best friend. And I used to talk about how hot she was. That's what I was a youth pastor for a long time. That's a, a lot of youth pastors talk about how pretty their wives are. And uh, and then this one little girl one time at a, at a summer camp, she says, is that the only reason you like your wife? And I was like, I was like shocked. I was so sad and, and shocked that she said that. I was like, what? I was like, no, that's like just a bonus. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm like, it's just bonus. I'm like, I like her because of who she is. And so my wife's the best. She's a, a baby nurse. And so what I mean is she works with the premature and the, in the neonatal intensive care in the Children's Hospital in Vancouver. So the sickest of the sick babies in Western Canada end up kind of in front of my wife and she saves their lives. And so she's part of the team, that uh, great team there that saves their lives. I'm so proud of her. Um, she, so sometimes she'll get home from work. I'll say, how's your work, sweetheart? And she'll say, she goes, oh, you know, she goes, my baby was trying to die. And I'm like, you don't just, who says that? My, she goes, oh yeah, my baby was trying to die like this. And you don't, I'm like, I'm shocked. I'm traumatized all of a sudden. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I'm like, what did you do? She's like, I just. I just shook it, and I'm like, what do you, I think it was just forgetting to breathe, so I just shook it a little bit, and so uh, that's not all the nurses and doctors do, they don't just shake babies, hey, come on, little guy, you can make it, <laughs> I don't know what to do, guys, oh, here, let me shake it, you know, like, no, uh, but she's brilliant, and she loves, and she gets home from work sometimes and says, I was bored at work, because she, if she's not working with the really sick babies, she does ventilators and stuff, and so I'm so proud of her, she's the best, anyhow, I'm also a godfather and a proud uncle, I'm uncle to Christian and Clara, Christian is six, I call him Cristiano, well, they're not Italian, but I just think it sounds cool. And, uh, and then Clara, my niece, is four. And then I have three, we have three goddaughters, Molly, who is 16, and then uh, Ellie Ray, who is four but going on 16. And, uh, and then uh, our goddaughter, Charlie, who's just a brand new baby. She's about one and a half. And uh, I love, I absolutely love them. I bought them some little kangaroos from, you know, there's some prison stuffies. I don't know if you guys know about You can buy these stuffies that, from the ladies and made in the prison. I bought them the kangaroo stuffies and so to bring home. And so hopefully they'll like them. Uh, and I'll say, this is from Australia. And then Charlie won't say anything because she's only one and a half. Uh, so I know she'll like it. <laughs> 
Church, I want to uh, just preach to you. Is that all right? Can I preach from the Bible? I heard it was all right to preach from the Bible at Bayside Church. And so if you have a Bible, why don't you uh, uh, get it ready? We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 39. Anybody? Yeah, come on. If you're visiting at Bayside Church, one of the things they do is they scream when, they, when we open the Bible. And so they go, woohoo, the Bible! Yeah! And that is just, that's just a fun thing to do. We celebrate God's Word. I'm so thankful for God's Word. If you have a Bible, you can go to Hebrews 11. We're going to go to verse 39, but I'm not there yet. I, as a youth pastor, I've been, been a youth pastor for over 10 years, and now I work for Alpha full-time uh, in Canada. And then this is my, one, of my first interna- one of my first international trips. I got to go to Ireland for one day. Uh, so I was in the U.K. because Alpha is based out of London in the U.K. And we went to Ireland. Our friend was like, come to Ireland. And we're like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. And so we went to Ireland for one day. And so that we feel, whenever you go anywhere for one day, you feel like a rock star. You know what I mean? And so we felt like rock stars, like, yeah, what up, Dublin? All right. You know, and then we're back. Okay. And so we felt like rock stars, but uh, usually we don't feel like rock stars. Usually we feel like uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we're here. Okay. So I'm a youth pastor and I'm one of the things you do when people graduate high school is you think, i got to encourage them. They're graduating high school. It's a big step in their life. They've been in school. You know, it's after year 12, it's over. It's like, what are you going to do now? You're going to go to uni. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to change the world. And so you, uh, we would write people cards, and we'd write a verse in the card. And the verse that I would always, uh, you know, prayerfully do uh, is that you might have heard of it, uh, Jeremiah 29 11. You guys know the one, Jeremiah 29, 11. If you don't know it, oh my goodness, write it down and write it on the tablet of your heart today. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, and I write it in the card. It says, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans, I don't know the words exactly. Plans what? Not to harm you? Plans prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, right? And so you, and, I, and so then I pause for a second. I'm like, I go, really, wait, is this right? I, I'm spiritual, right? I'm from a spiritual church. So I go, I go, Lord, is this the right verse for this young man? Yes. And then I write it down. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 11, because I'm like, God, God has a plan for your life. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit from that subject. And I know it's kind of like this, just this grand subject of God has a plan for your life. And I really do believe that God has good things in mind for us. I believe that, uh, I believe that life, that doesn't mean that life will be easy. Jesus tells us, tells us that we will in this world have trouble. Uh, and, and the older I get, the more I go, yeah, he was right. You know what I mean? I go, wow, last year was the worst and the best. And sometimes that's how it works. The years can be the best and the worst at the same time. Uh, but God had something in mind when he brought you to the planet. And he knew, he knew you in advance. And so I want to speak to you from that subject. And I will start in Hebrews 11.39. Okay? <clears throat> Let me get there in my Bible. What page is it on? It's a little Bible joke I do. Yep. It's not that funny, I guess. Do you guys all have the same page numbers? 1102. That's what page it's on. 1102 on, in my Bible. Uh, I'm reading out of the NIV translation. I don't care what translation you have. I love your translation, okay? Uh, Bible is Bible. Let me read this. 1139 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Let me read it again. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Let me say a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in and just unpack this, and I will preach my face off. Jesus, thank you for being alive and not dead. Thank you that you hear our prayers, and you even hear our thoughts when we turn our thoughts towards you. 
And so, God, we turn our hearts and thoughts towards you now, and we say, encourage us, inspire us, challenge us from your word. God, you know exactly what we've been going through in the last few days, weeks, and years. And God, you're so close to each one of us. You're more present than we are. So we open our hearts to you again, and we say thank you for your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Guys, uh, this verse, it's, this is one of my favorite. I, what I'm going to do is my nephew, Cristiano, right? I say, hey, Cristiano. Wait, I want to tell you something fun that I do with Cristiano. Is uh, Sometimes I go, uh, I, maybe I, I shouldn't tell you this. It has nothing to do with my preach. But it, So pause game on the preach. Uh, one of the things I do with my nephew is I go, Ka-ka! when I come into the house and downstairs, and he, so they hear me, they're upstairs, and I go, I open the door, and I go, Ka-ka! and then th- sometimes they go, Ka-ka! back. So, and so we've been doing that for years, for years and years. And finally, they started cacaing back. They realized that's Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is in the house. He, they heard the caca. And sometimes my sister goes, did you hear something? And then I go, Ka-ka! from downstairs. And they go, Ka-ka! wait, I'm paused, right? I'm off the stage. Okay. And then the, and then, uh, the other day, uh, my other, my brother-in-law, Rob, he did this. He, he walked in the house. He went, Ka-ka! and then Christiana, he turned up. He was so happy. He was pumped. Uncle Ben was there. And they saw Uncle Rob and he went, oh. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's his favorite. Anyhow, play, start. Okay, sorry. It literally had nothing to do with my preach. I'm sorry. I just want you to like me. So I told you about that cool story about how much my nephew likes me. Uh, guys, <laughs> guys, uh, Hebrews 11.39. In the, w- Hebrews 11, let's set the context. Hebrews 11, uh, the context is, uh, you know, some people have called this the chapter about faith. It's the faith chapter. If you want love, you go to 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. If you want faith, the faith chapter is, is Hebrews chapter 11. Some have even called it the hall of faith. You've heard of the hall of fame. You've got sports hall of fames. You know, we, this is the hall of faith. Some people, I like that name because what it does is it starts saying faith is so important. It goes through and it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it starts listing the people, Pastor Rob in the house. He starts, and he starts listing these men and women of faith who have gone before us, and it starts kind of saying, by faith, this is what they did. Their faith prompted action. By faith, they, and it says, so it says, Abraham, by faith. Then it says, Sarah, by faith. And then it says, uh, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith. It says, by faith, the, pro- the prostitute Rahab. There's even, in the hall of faith, is a prostitute named Rahab. And he says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab. And he starts telling little, little snapshots of their stories, what they did by faith. It says, Moses' mom and dad, they're in there. It says, Moses' parents. Moses' mom and Moses' dad, they, they prompted by their faith, they hid their, their son. And they preserved him. Moses, by faith, did this. It starts going through history. It starts to David, Gideon, Samson, and many more. And then at the end of Hebrews 11, you know, the writer of Hebrews is writing, and he says, at the end of Hebrews 11, this is where we get to verse 39. And he says, these were all commended for their faith. But none of them had received what had been promised. Since God had planned something to better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What does that mean? Well, let me just give you a snapshot. Abraham was promised that his seed would bless all nations on the earth. And so the promise for Abraham is he did have a son, but the seed that was going to bless every nation of the earth, do we know who that is? That's, that's Jesus. And so Abraham's looking forward. And before his days on the earth were up, the, he didn't, he, that promise wasn't fully fulfilled. He didn't receive that promise. Moses was the great deliverer. He, you know, the Exodus. He leads the people out of, out of Egypt. And he's leading them to the promised land. 
And he's the deliverer. But even Moses knew that one day a new deliverer would come, the final great deliverer. And that great deliverer is Jesus. And so the writers of Hebrews are saying, hey, all these men and women of faith, they were a part of it. They had a role in it. They acted in their faith, and God loved that. But they're a part of this greater story. And then he uses these words. He goes, it wasn't completed. He goes, because God had planned something better for us. Now, there's two things we need to do with this us, because on the first side of the us is he's saying God had planned something better for us. And so it's the, who he was writing to in that day. You know, and he's saying, hey, you, the Hebrew people, you know, the Jewish people, I'm writing to you. God had planned something better for us. And the us is on the other side of Jesus, the after Jesus generation. And in many ways, we are included now also. Then the second us is us, 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 us here. Us, Maddie, Maddie and I, us. From, you know, Maddie came from Vancouver with us, okay? And he's single, okay? Maddie and I, I'm just... I don't know, man. Australian girl. I don't know. Maybe. You could move here, man. He, told, he was telling me he loves, he loves Australia, man. Maybe he'll move here. Anyhow, don't make him feel awkward. I shouldn't have done that. Okay. <laughs> Guys, we're, we're on the other side. We're the after Jesus generation. I just yelled to get your attention again. Okay. The after Jesus generation, right? And we, so he's saying God had planned something better for us. So that, and then the words are, so that only together with us, would they be made complete? This blows my mind. Why does it blow my mind? Because I always treat myself as other than, separate from all these great heroes of the faith. When you read a story about Elijah, you read what Elijah did and, and Elisha did, and you read about some of the, the, even in the New Testament, what Paul did and all these, uh, and Peter, and you go, what? And you treat, we treat it as separate. We even try to almost treat it as more story than true. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, but it's actually true. This stuff is true. The, these people really existed. They're historical figures. And I treat it other than, but then you know what helps me connect it back into the story is in James when he writes, you know in James, he writes that bit about, uh, hey, when you pray, he goes, the, power, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And he says, and then he mentions Elijah. He says, Elijah prayed and it's to, for it not to rain, and it stopped raining. It didn't rain for, day, for years. And then, he, and then it says, Elijah prayed again, and it started to rain. And then it says, Elijah was a man just like us. And I go, wait, what? No, Elijah was not a man like me. No, no, the idea is, he, yes, he's a man or a woman. You know, he's a human being just like us. And we're a part of this story. We're a part of human history of what God is doing. And the, and the writer to the Hebrews says, listen, God had planned this. Only together, only together with us, would this plan that God has been stitching together through, for all of history be made perfect. Now, I love this imagery of God had planned. You know, as a youth pastor, I'm always, I'm trying to tell young people, hey, man, God has a plan for your life, right? In your, in your grad card, I'm writing it in there. God has a plan for your life, praying for you, I believe in you. And there's this, uh, this really cool image. Now, there, one of my favorite verses is um, in, in um, one of the, the pictures is, is, where am I finding it? Uh, Acts 17, that's where I'm going, guys. So Paul's preaching in Athens, and he's, he's preaching to the Greek people, and they write down some of his sermon there. And in Acts 17, 26, this is some, he starts to unpack this, and he's preaching the sermon, and he says, he goes, listen, from one man, God made all people of the earth. All the nations of the earth came from one man. And then he says these words. He goes, and God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And I go, whoa, that's encouraging. So God, in advance, determined the time set for us and the exact places where we should live. That, God had it in mind. In Ephesians 1, it says that before the creation of the world, he chose us. 
before the creation of the world, he chose us. It says in love, he predestined us to be adopted into his family as his sons and daughters. I love how Eugene translates, he goes, in advance, God had settled on us in his mind, settled on us as the focus of his love. Way in advance. How does that look in creation? You know, over here, God's just, okay, we're going to make the earth. He's thinking about mountains. He's thinking about Melbourne. He's thinking about the planets. And I don't know how many, and the waters and the, and the hills. And he's like, oh, Vancouver, the most beautiful place in the world. Everyone wants to visit there. And they're so welcome because Ben will let them stay at his house, especially from Bayside Church. And so he's, God's thinking in advance. And he's thinking in advance. And he goes, oh, and he goes, oh, I know. And he thinks about the future and he knows the exact time and place set for us. Can we just imagine this morning that kind of this stage area, this front area is all of history. We know that we, God is in time. He lives with us and participates with us today in the present, right? But for, you get this picture from the scripture that he's actually also apart from time and can see it, right? He can, it's like he has the idea. He's the, uh, you know, in Hebrews 12, in the, in the next few verses, it says he's the, he's the author and the perfecter, right? He, he wrote it. He started it. And some translations say he initiated it. He began it. Another translation says he's the pioneer of it. He's the one. So he, he has this image on it. Just the reason I'm holding up my book is because, you know, we can see the beginning and the end of the book. Right now, sometimes I think of time like that. And if we just picture the stage this morning, it's kind of, you know, the beginning of time over here, right? And you got Adam and Eve, and God creates the world, and he thinks of all, and he plans it out. And then you kind of go through time, and he, Abraham and Sarah, he's like, oh, I love those guys. And he kind of keeps moving through time. Moses keeps moving through. And I don't know where Jesus shows up on the scene, but boom, Jesus is on the scene, maybe right here in the center. And it's, he, he, he lives, he dies on the cross, and he comes back to life and defeats sin and death. And it's like this all of a sudden, I, I like to think of the cross having this blanket effect goes woof, backwards in history and forwards in history. Just changed everything, right? God, this is where God, you know, this is what we learn from the scripture, that God stepped into the planet in, in human form, right? He says, hey, the, in Hebrews it says, Jesus is the mirrored image of God. In Colossians, Paul writes to his friends in Colossae. I don't know where Colossae is. It sounds near Europe. And he, and he writes to his friends in Colossae and he says, he goes, he's the visible image of the invisible God. It's like you look Look at Jesus and you're looking at God, right? That's what he says to Philip. He grabs Philip. I picture him grabbing Philip when he says those words. He goes, Philip, don't you know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he says, right? So Jesus comes in the, into history. And then we kind of go through and there, there, there's, there's Peter and John and, and, and then Paul. I love Paul. Saul turns into Paul. Kind of throughout history, men and women of faith who have gone before us. And we're ending near, I don't know where we are, how close we are, you know, but I know in 1901, Australia becomes a country and Pastor Rob is born. Okay? In 1901, it happens. Pastor, Pastor Rob is born. It's, it becomes a country. In 1950, Pastor Rob's stash is born and steps into history. And the, the mo is, is there. The mustache is saying all its glory is coming. And, it's, and, 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 and the whole of history is, is leaning over the balcony in heaven saying, yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, but, th but this is what the idea you get from the scripture. He thought of us in advance. He chose the times and the place is set for us. And literally, you know when you were born. Think about the date, the year you were born and the date. Think about it right now. And boom. God's like, I know when. I know when I want them on the planet. I know the family. I know the place, the city. I know where they're going to grow up. I know where they're going to go to school. Hey, we know. We know our families aren't always great. God knows that. He goes, but I'm going to do something with them. I'm going to use them. I'm going to adopt them into my family. I'm going to pour out my love out of control, relentless kindness and love on their life. I'm gonna, and, and he knew the right time. 
He knew the right place in history. And I don't know, then the end of the world is over here. And these people are the after end of the world. And if you need to know about the end of the world, talk to Rob. I have no idea what goes on at the end, okay? I just know Jesus is coming back, okay? And I'm going to try to be ready. I want my heart to be ready enough. Sometimes I look up at the sky and I go, today, today, today? Okay, Lord, I'm ready, whatever. I don't want you to come today, but I'm ready, you know? But there's this idea in the scripture that says he, he, he had it all planned out. He's the author. Jesus reveals himself to John in the book of Revelation, John's revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, in the first chapter, he shows up and he goes, it's me, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He goes, it's me. He kind of reveals himself. And so we look at this, the, what he's doing in human history. And I, you know what, it, it makes us think of Lord of the Rings. It makes me and you think, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know, we're just thinking, hey, you know what? That's what it reminds me of. If you don't know the story of Lord of the Rings, I'll just give you a quick recap. I didn't read the books. I watched the movie. The books were that big, and the movies were that big, really big too. And so, I, 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 but the story of Lord of the Rings, i got to just tell you this because there's one scene that plays out, and it just it really kind of ties into the message, I'm, I promise you, okay? It ties into the message. It really encourages me. And uh, the, there's this one scene, and the story is basically there's Frodo, and he's like a half person. He's a hobbit, okay? And Frodo is a guy, and he has this bad ring, and the ring is like the most evilest thing on the planet. and wants to destroy the whole world, and if the ring survives, then the whole, everyone dies, and it's going to be bad, okay? And then Frodo got the ring from his uncle Bilbo, okay? Frodo, Bilbo, they're half people, okay, hobbits, okay? And they have to go destroy the ring in a, in a big volcano, okay? Throw it in the volcano, boom, save the world. Awesome. They, they're going on their way there. Everybody's trying to kill them, okay? Monsters and stuff like that. And they have a friendly friend named Gandalf the Wizard, okay? And he wears gray clothes, and eventually he's going to change his clothes into white, okay? He's got gray clothes. He's got a gray beard. And at this one scene, he's sitting down, and, he's, and they're in, in these mines. They're underground. It's been dark for days. They're discouraged. People are trying to kill them. And I just got to tell you this scene because it's so encouraging for me, okay? So, so they're sitting down, and Frodo, you know, the little guy with the ring, he's a really big burden to carry. He says, I wish none of this had ever happened, because I wish the ring had never come to me. And, Frodo, and Gandalf says, well, so do all who face such times. But that's not for them to decide. What we must decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And then he says this. He says, there's other forces at work in the world than, other than the force of evil. He goes, Bilbo was meant to find the ring, which means you were meant to have it. And then he goes, and that is an encouraging thought. And I, I think about those words of, you know, this idea of it's an encouraging thought. Why is it an encouraging thought? Because there, he's saying there's something at work here that's bigger than just what's happening in front of you. You were meant for this time. You were meant for, you know, again, thinking about the family we grew up in, the place we grew. That's not all great for us. Not all of us had a great upbringing. Some of us did, and we thank God for that. But you know what I mean? You go, why, God? Why this surrounding? Why this pain? Why this struggle? And God says, I got something in mind. It's not that I enjoy you going through the pain, but I have something in mind of what I can do and take the pain and take what you're going through and turn it into something beautiful. I can take the struggle and the hurt and abuse that you've been through. I have something in mind. Frodo's saying, I don't want it. And, and, we're, and we're saying sometimes, I, don't, I can't handle this. Why now? And then God's saying, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have something in mind. I'm stitching it together through all human history, and you're a part of it. I love that. And, it, it's, and he, goes, he, goes, he goes, that's an encouraging thought. And he goes, we just, what we must do is we've we got to decide what to do with the time that is given us. I say, yeah, Gandalf, you deserve to be white already. You know, it's like this, but there's this picture of God, and he's, and he's kind of saying, hey, I, ha, I, know, I know what I'm doing. 
Church, I want to read to you uh, uh, as the verses continue. He says, you know, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Only together with us. We're a part of the story. It's not just about your story. It's not just about my story. It's about his story. It's about God's story. And we get to play a role in it. You're not the main character. I'm not the main character. And that's hard for me to remember. I feel like I'm the main character. And especially now that I've been on a, in a movie series for Jesus, I, I feel like, I, you know, I watch myself on the screen, and when I show up at youth events with church kids, man, church kids love me, okay? I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, they don't really do that. That's what they're doing in my mind, though. Oh, my goodness, it's Ben, right? And they go, oh, hey, 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 guys, hey, hey, all right, hey, hey, church kids. Fist bump, kid. Cool, man. No, but there's this idea, you know, we, we kind of, we think our world revolves around us. No, no, it's not, I'm not the main character. You're not the main character. And, this, and my work actually with Alpha has helped me really see that. You know, my work with Alpha has helped me see, oh my goodness, God is doing something all over the planet. And when I say God is doing something, I don't mean just through Alpha. I mean, he's doing something through Alpha, and I get to meet lots of different churches where God has been doing something for years and years and years. 23 years we celebrate today at Bayside. God's been doing something here. He started something 23 years ago in a funeral parlor, a chapel. I absolutely love that you'd met in a funeral. Was anybody there from here? Oh my goodness, that was, yeah, awesome. That's amazing. That, I can't even handle that. It's like, I'm so fired up about that. Hey, you want to come to church? Where are you guys going to church? Funeral parlor. People are like, uh, hmm, yeah, okay. What, is it, what happens? No, 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 it's church. It's not, it's not a funeral. It's, it's church. And yeah, I love, I love that picture of funeral parlor. Just you know, bring in life where there's death, right? Just bring in life where there's death. I love that. Guys, okay, we're reading the verses. We're continuing. And it says this in, in ver- Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says, consider him. Think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Church, I don't know how it works in heaven, uh, but it says there's a great, I don't know how it works as far as them seeing what we're doing, but it says there's a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know, sometimes I picture a balcony in heaven, and maybe they're all kind of leaning over the balcony, you know, Moses and the gang, and Abraham, they get lattes from Melbourne, because it's one of the best coffee places in the world, and they come and they lean over the balcony of heaven, and they say, oh, where's that coffee from, Mo? And he's like, Abraham's like, oh, you know, Melbourne. And they're leaning over, <clears throat> and they're leaning over the balcony of heaven and watching our generation. I don't know if that's how it works, and if they've been watching, I don't know if they have technical things on little screens on their, their hands, or if they're in a, like a stadium and they're watching a jumbotron and watching, I don't know if they can choose who they watch. I don't know. I don't know. Use your own imagination, sanctified imagination to figure that out. But what we do see is that there's a great cloud of witnesses. And the idea is, is hey, you're a part of this great history of the saints. And they went before you, and, and good, most likely they'll go after you, and you'll become part of it. But you're a part of a generation, and they're cheering us on. They see it, and they're saying, yes, come on. 
live for God in your generation. Serve his purpose in your generation. And they're kind of this, this sense of them cheering us on. And I love what uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero from Hawaii says. He treats the, the, the saints of old as friends. And he reads kind of, he treats it almost like their journals. When he reads about their experiences and their hard times. And he says, he goes, it's like sitting with an old friend, David, as he's in the wilderness. And whenever you feel you're in the wilderness, you read some of the songs David wrote. And you get to kind of get this picture of what God did for him. And he's kind of encouraging you through the word. He's saying, hey, I'm with you, man, and God is with you. Look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. And we kind of get that encouragement from the scripture. And it says there's this great cloud of witnesses. It says, so, because of all this, because we're part of this grand plan for human history, he knew the time and the place set for us. Because of this, he goes, hey, throw off everything that's going to hinder you. Throw it off. Anything that's going to slow you down in this race of faith. He goes, and especially the sin that so easily entangles. I grab my leg because that's just the picture. It entangles, right? I just picture something grabbing our legs. Have you ever had a child grab your leg? You know, it's a fun game to play with a kid for like at least like 30 seconds. And then you're like, okay, okay, get off. And then just they start giggling. No, seriously, okay, come on, I got to walk. You know, and then you're dragging a kid, right? You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, I got to, I got to. And it says, get, lay off everything, you know, throw off the things that will hinder you. For me, one of the things that hindered me is some of the, the baggage from my past. From some of the shame and guilt. Man, I still feel like God is freeing me from shame. I grew up in a religious environment. I don't know about you. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have guilt and shame only from religious environments. But sometimes in Christian religious environments, it's very much you, you load up this shame and guilt. When I was in uh, elementary school in grade five, I remember I went to a Christian school. And I, have, I still have my cute little Christian school tie, private school tie. And I, I remember it was a worship chapel. We were doing a chapel. And I had my hands in my pockets. And... And uh, the teacher got mad at me because we were singing worship songs and my hands were in my pockets. And I just, I remember this so vividly. And it's one of those things that I think is such a great example of religion. It's like, really? You're mad at me for having my hands in my pockets? Like, how does that, how's that going to shape my understanding of God and worship music? And it's like, it's like, like, what? You're mad at me for having my hands in And I remember as an adult, I'm not even kidding you, when I started really following Jesus with my whole heart, I said, Jesus, I want to give you everything. I started following when I was about 18. And I, I started giving me everything, and I, it, it was so hard for me to put my hands in my pockets during worship. Literally, as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21, 22, I got my hands in my pockets. Like, oh, I can't, I can't put my hands in my pockets because I'm worshiping. Th that's called, like, weird baggage, okay? And that represents, that's represents something that obviously that's something weird and small, but that's some of the stuff. You know, you come up with this legalism and voices from our, our past of things that people have spoken over us and things that, uh, discouragement that's come our way, things that have been done to us, and we kind of drag this baggage around. And, and the writer to Hebrews says, hey, you've got to throw throw this off. You got to throw this off. You got to get rid of it. You got you, we need you to run. What do you, what do I need you to run? I need you to run the race that's marked out for you. There's a race marked out for you and God wants to, to lead you and guide you. I love that in James, he says, Hey, if you need wisdom, just ask for wisdom. Hey, I man, that's my favorite prayer right? I, that's my favorite prayer. It says, just have faith and he'll give it to you. God gives generously wisdom, he says, without finding fault. I mean, I need some wisdom. I pray that all the time. Even today, I'm reminding you, I haven't prayed for wisdom in a while. Jesus, I just, I'm excited because I'm, I'm like, I can pray for wisdom. He always gives it. If you believe he's going to give wisdom, he'll give it. And I remember specifically, I was, I was praying about, uh, I was having a, a depressed season. I'll just share this kind of vignette of my life uh, about the race marked out for me. It was kind of a, a vignette of my life. And I remember I was uh, deciding if I was going to marry Melissa or not, and I was deciding whether to go into real estate. 
okay, and I'm, I'm just, I'm a preacher, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I was deciding, okay, may, I may I'll do real estate and I'll preach. And I remember there was this moment and I, I decided I'm going to fast and pray and ask God for wisdom. And I remember uh, the, the Lord didn't tell me on the day I was fasting and praying whether or not to marry Melissa. That came a few weeks later, a few months later, uh, through just kind of other circumstances. But he did answer me about going into real estate. He said so clearly to my heart, he said, Ben, the, the spirit I've given you is not for the business world. He goes, it's for equipping the saints. And so I, and you know what it felt like when that happened? It was like I was running on a cross-country trail. And I was, there's trails. I can go on all sorts of trails, you know, here, business world. And obviously just the business world is like there's loads of things you can do. And in that moment, I, I literally it was like a big X went over that. I was like, oh, I'm running the race marked out for me. I just turned and I said, oh, okay, obviously now in ministry you can do a bazillion different things too, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, but I know my spirit is for equipping the saints. Whether I work and I, will, I have and I will again probably work other jobs, not just ministry, I know that my role is this. It's the race marked out for me. Church, he ends this, you know, the writer to the Hebrews ends this, this section by saying, by saying these words. He says, hey, by, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I love that because it's him who started it. It's him who continues it. It's, it's not about what you can do or have done. It's about what he is, has done and is doing and will do. It's all about Jesus. It's all about how, what he accomplished on the cross and coming back to life. It's all about Jesus and, and what his, how he sent his spirit to live and guide and be with us and equip us and give us power over sin. It's all about Jesus, what he will do for us in the future. And it's like, yes, we respond, but that's what we do. We respond. We don't earn his love. We don't earn his approval. We don't earn a good religious stamp. Ben hasn't put his hands in his pockets for five weeks during worship. Gold star. Like what? No. He, he, we don't earn his love. He says, oh man, I, I love you. And now I get to live in response to that love. I get to serve and give, and I love your initiatives at the church here, your stuff home and away. I love that, because that's what we want to do. We want to be a part of what God's doing. You know what it says in, in uh, Acts 17, 26, 27? It says, you know, this, that, that's the verse where Paul's preaching to the Greeks, and he says, he goes, hey, he knew the time set for you in the exact places you should live. And it says, and then it says these words. It says, he did this so that, the reason God put us in certain times and places, so that people everywhere would seek him and find him, because he's not far from each one of us. It's that the God of heaven and earth looks down and he says, I know this heart and I know the best generation for this heart to, to be captured by my heart for them is this time and this place. Church, we've been invited to God's story. and We get to serve his mission on the planet. And I want to I wanna go out like David, who uh, Paul says about David. He says he served God's purpose in his generation. And then he laid to rest with his ancestors. I want to tell you one story and then I want to pray for you. Uh, Jason, uh, my friend in the videos, uh, he's here with us as well. He was speaking last night. And I definitely recommend you, you getting a hold of Jason's message. So challenging and encouraging. He spoke from the same text and kind of the, he especially focused on throwing off and just the grace and, and love of Jesus and what we, how we need to throw off things that are hindering us. And so watch that. But Jason shared this story recently about his grandfather. His grandfather was dying a couple years ago. And I know his grandpa, Dave, Dave Wood. He's one of those grandpas that wants to be everybody's grandpa. You know what I mean? I want to be like one of those one day. So he would hug me. He would hug me tight. He was one of the guys who hugged you so tight you feel like you were choking. And so he was, Chuck, Dave, he'd kiss my cheek. You know, he was a Scottish background. He'd grab me going, oh, and he'd kiss you. And he'd go, hey. And uh, he was dying of cancer. 
And so he was, he was old. He knew he was going to die. And, uh, and as he got closer to the end, he, uh, he moved into a hospice. And uh, it, does that translate hospice? You guys do hospices as well? I don't know if there was another name for it. So he, goes, he knew it was the end of his days, so he's in the hospice for, until he passes away and, and returns to Jesus. And uh, there's this, uh, it was a really special time and, and sad time for the family. So the family was there all the time. And what they did was they decided someone should be with grandpa all the time. And so they, as the cousins and family, they took different nights. And so one of the nights uh, was Jason's. And Jason, as a young, he was probably 22 or 20, probably 24 at the time. And he's spending the night with grandpa, Grandpa Dave. And in the middle of the night, Grandpa Dave woke up and he started coughing and, and kind of retching. And, and he kind of goes, uh, you know, he's, he's coughing really hard. And he says, Jason, he goes, I th I'm dying right now. Like, this is heavy, right? It's like, and Jason's there, and he goes, he says, as a young man, he's like, you know, he's like, what do I do? And so he kind of prayed the best he could. Okay, kind of, God, take him. You know, like, I don't, like, if this is the moment, okay, God, take him. And, uh, and he kind of stopped coughing a little bit, and, and then he, he ended up, they both ended up falling asleep. And uh, 6 a.m. or so, the window's open, sun's coming through the window, window. Jason wakes up and looks over, and Grandpa Dave is sitting up in his bed, and, and he looks at Jason, he goes, well, he goes, the Lord has me here for another day. <laughs> and it's, fun, it's funny, right? He's like, and you're kind of, you make, can you imagine that? After a heavy, serious night like that, you wake up and Grandpa's just like, well, I'm here for another day. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> you know? And, and Grandpa, but he, this is what's crazy is that he wasn't being metaphorical. He was being literal. God has me here for another day. And so he knew, if I'm here, there's a reason. If I'm here, if I'm sucking air on the planet, there's a reason for it. And I'm like, man, yes. That's what the psalmist says. He says, teach us, God, to number our days aright. Teach us to count. We, our days are numbered. Your days are numbered between now and the end. Give your life. Continue to give your life. Continue to give your resources to the kingdom. I want to encourage you, church. I'm so blessed to be here with you. And I, I hope your heart is encouraged, but we're a part of something great. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's not just about Bayside. It's about what God is doing throughout human history, and we're a part of it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Father, thank you so much for your sweet spirit. And I feel in my heart to thank you for your patience this morning. Thank you for your patience with me as your follower, as your son, as your beloved son. Thank you for your patience with each one, with each one here. Thank you that you're passionately kind and loving towards us, relentlessly kind towards us. And God, will we get a glimpse of that in your heart today? Father, we thank you that you chose us, that you have a plan for us as a church, you have a plan for this city, and you do have a plan for me and my friends and family. Thank you for that, Jesus. I bless my brothers and sisters this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.